welcome back to A Journey with Dante and our reflections and introductions to the comedy and other works by Dante. And today we're going to talk about a little bit about the purgatory and then also about some of the biography of Dante and how he is described by some of his almost contemporaries with the Italian writers of Boccaccio and also Petrarch. So the first part is about the purgatory as we are reading through some new commentaries in Italian about the the first steps of the climb of the purgatory. And uh, we just wanted to add one more thing about what happens in chapter 6 when he has this uh, long, like 25 tercets about Italy. Uh, it's also it's, it's a good thing to, to kind of digest this a little bit that he is trying to contrast the virtuous life, the heavenly, with Italy. So it's also both his motivation to learn about the virtues and making the argument as to why the virtues are important and helpful and as a remedy in in the the sickness in his time as he saw it. Uh, but it's also a technique to really create this contrast between the heavenly and then what he sees as the earthly. So that's an important part. And then also when you get into chapter 7, you get the princes, like the valley of the princes, and then you get all these rulers who were negligent in their life. They were too, too occupied in their earthly life, so they were late penitents as well. But then you get this long list of uh, contemporary rulers for, like, in the 1200s. But this is also so tied into medieval history, and it's really interesting if, like, the more one knows about the medieval times, especially this whole era from about 1050 to 1300, which is when, like, after the schism and you have the split of the Eastern Roman Empire and then the Rome and the church is, is uh, establishing itself as an autonomous unit and kind of starts electing their own popes and then gradually expands its power and in some ways re-establishes a sort of a the old city-state of Rome uh, power center. And then you get all these decrees and then you get... Uh, Gregory the Seventh, and then you also get like in the end, um, and Gregory the Seventh is, is famous for saying things like the Church has never erred and it will never err for all eternity, and Scripture is witness. Uh, so this is in the late ten uh, hundreds or like uh, ten around in the ten seventies, and then it culminates in some ways with Boniface in thirteen hundred and two when he writes this uh, official. Kind of statement that uh, all human beings are under the authority of the church. So this is the kind of papacy that that Dante is arguing against in his whole work. And then when you see all these figures from the 1200s in the in the Valley of the Princes, you get a better understanding of how uh, Dante saw this this bigger game of or conflict or situation of the powers at the time so that's uh both of those, those two things are um, more it they make more sense if one also reads into the history which is kind of a, a separate big topic by itself so um, but it's just like you have all the theology of all the philosophy you have his contemporary friends but you also have this uh, 12 and 1300s, early 1300s situation, which requires a little bit of reading up to get the full understanding of it, because it also kind of alludes to and it communicates with 
much of the moral philosophy as well. Like the vices, he would then put the vices as not only the, the problem for individuals, but also the problem for the culture as at large. So that's what we wanted to say about the purgatory today. And then the other part is the biography. So this is fun. Um, this is a bit kind of <laughs> uh, what people told Boccaccio and Petrarch when they tried to get a, 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 an understanding of this like a few decades later. So um, we'll start with Boccaccio. So he went to Ravenna where Dante had his last years of his life and where he wrote The Paradise. So Boccaccio came there about just 25 years after Dante had passed away. And then he gathered all the, like he talked with people who then also knew him and had, had worked with him and, and had some impressions of him. So we're going to quote now a little bit from uh, a biography by Paget Jackson about Dante's life and works. And this is then f from the writings of Boccaccio. So he says, Our poet was of, was of middle height and after he had reached mature years, he walked with somewhat of a stoop. His gait was grave and sedate, and he was ever clothed, clothed in most seemly garments, his dress being suited to the ripeness of his years. His face was long, his nose aquiline, his eyes rather large than small, his jaws heavy, with the underlip projecting beyond the upper. His complexion was dark, and his hair and beard thick, black and crisp, and his countenance always sad and thoughtful. Whence it happened one day in Verona, uh, that as he passed before a doorway with several women sitting, one of them said to the others in a low voice, but not so low that she was plainly heard by him and by those with him. And then, do you see the man who goes down to hell and brings back the news of those who are below? Uh, Dante, hearing these words behind him and perceiving that it was spoken uh, by the people in perfect good faith, was not ill-pleased that they should have such an opinion of him. And smiling a little, passed on his way. So these little anecdotes are very <laughs> questionable. But but this first description, especially the beard, because you, you never have or almost never have any any paintings or drawings or, or busts or sculptures of him with beards. So that uh, gives a little bit different impression. And then uh, Boccaccio continues with a little anecdote about Paris, where he says, Dante, moreover, was of marvelous capacity, with a most retentive memory and keen intellect, insomuch that when he was in Paris and in a disputation held in the theological schools, 14 questions had been propounded by diverse scholars on diverse subjects. He, without hesitation, took them up and went over them in the order in which they had been given, together with the arguments for and against, adduced by the opponents. And then, preserving the same order, he subtly or subtly replied to and refuted the arguments on the other side, which thing was regarded as little short of a miracle by those who were present. And then you have more um, more of these little uh, incidents. That <laughs> it's hard to tell if it's... Uh, uh, some of these things, if they make good stories, it, that kind of sometimes indicates that it might be more of a, an invention. But uh, we're just going to take the last one here, which is 
from Petrarch. So that is um, when he says about uh, Dante's time in Verona with his his uh, patron, Can Grande della Scala. So, and Petrarch is about, he's a few decades after after Dante. And then, um, so, uh, uh, Dante Alighieri, or well, my fellow citizen, was a man greatly accomplished in the vulgar tongue. But on account of his pride, he was somewhat more free in his manners and speech than was acceptable to the sensitive eyes and ears of the noble princes of our country. Thus, when he was exiled from his native city and was a guest at the court of Can Grande, at that time the refuge and the resort of all who were in his fortune, he was at first held in high honor, but afterwards, by degrees, he began to lose favor, and day by day became less pleasing to his host. So, um, if if you read through all of these different descriptions, you kind of get a little picture of this, this uh, in some ways very ambitious person. And also uh, the pride is something that Dante is describing himself several times through the comedy. This is where he kind of is almost falls. He falls into the eighth valley in the, in the circle eight. And he talks about it in purgatory as well, but in the terrace of envy, that envy is not his, his challenge or, or uh, kind of, vice he has to work with uh, it is the first terrace <laughs> that of the pride so um but also kind of a person maybe who is uh, extraordinary in some ways and that also makes this kind of a little bit of an arrogance perhaps this is a bit speculation but but that um he was really into his his work and then uh the social aspect seems to be like a bit varied in terms of how how enjoyable that perhaps was. But again, this is speculation. But it's it's a little bit interesting to just have a um, an impression of how it was for him when he was walking around in Florence as a younger person, and then later in Verona and in Ravenna, and um, also that he. Seems also like enjoyable company, at least if you, if you were interested in in the same topics as he was. So we're gonna stop it there. It's a bit over ten minutes. Um, hope some of this has been interesting, and uh, see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to A Journey with Dante. If you enjoyed some of this, you can listen to the other episodes or also go to our YouTube channel, which is called A Journey with Dante. And you can also support us and get extra materials at patreon.com slash ancientworld. Thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.